This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Hi listeners, this is Brent Sutton. Welcome to the 32nd episode of the Practice of Learning Teams podcast show. On today's podcast, I speak to Jim Posey, a veteran health and safety professional based in New Jersey. Jim shares his story of working in the environmental consulting field, his application of learning teams, and his move into becoming a podcast host with his new short format podcast series called Safety Wars. I found Jim to be very generous with his learnings and I admired that Jersey boy attitude of keeping it real in the field. Don't forget, next week, starting episode 33, we commence our special series on women's perspective, adoption and approach on the new view of safety and learning teams. The series will be hosted by Glynis McCarthy and will be a podcast discussion with women who represent organisational leadership, industry advocacy, safety practitioner, and regulatory authority. The series is to explore each person's own journey, the role of gender and safety, and the potential of the new view of safety and learning teams. We hope that you enjoy the series as we continue our journey of learning and improving with learning teams. Let us now listen to the host of Safety Wars, Jim Posey. Welcome, Jim, to the uh, Practice of Learning Teams podcast show. And of course, welcome to the Safety FM family with your exciting new show, The Safety Wars. Yes, it's, uh, thank you for inviting me on. It's all a very exciting part of my life right now and an exciting time to be alive in this world. Absolutely. And um, I think what, what you'll find is um, you, you, you'll typically have some of the chats with some of the other podcast shows um, and, and then you'll never talk to them again. Because that, that's, that's all part of the podcasting world that we live in. Well, uh, usually people release things once a week in this format. And, you know, there you have billions of people in the world. So, uh, not right. So, so but welcome. And, um, and obviously, you know, like all these things, uh, you know, part of the practice of learning teams is to get people like yourselves to, to come, on the, come on the show and share your own experiences and some of the learnings that you have had over your career as well. And then we'll wrap up today's show with you talking about um, safety wars and what you're trying to achieve. So Jim, just Great. for the benefit of the listeners, just, just what makes you passionate about safety? What's the thing that drives you? What drives me is, um, no, I started out in this, not really even knowing what safety was back in, the early 90s. I won't admit how old I am at this point. And I'm seeing a lot of accidents, a lot of injuries, a lot of people hurt, uh, a lot of people with negative attitudes, negative values, everything else that goes into this unhappy in their work uh, environment. And I want to make people more empowered. I want to make people safe at work, as safe as possible. I wanted to educate people I love education. I have a passion for education. And this is what I try to pass on is some of my experiences, some of uh, you know, what I've learned, meet new people, that sort of thing. I've never been one to 
be satisfied staying in one place. I'm one of those types of personalities that likes to do something, learn all I can, and then move on. And that's been my model, I guess, for my life going on my entire adult life since the early 1990s. That's great. And with your passion for education, what sort of drew you to learning teams? Was it through a, a hop experience? How did that connection happen? Well, I started learning. Now, I came up through with the whole thing where we were talking uh, previously on uh, the whole uh, behavior-based safety and everything else. And I noticed that we could not get any traction. I said, if I could find a way of motivating the crew, figuring out, trying to figure out what what makes people tick, what they're about, and everything else, I think I can do a better job. I can help my clients, help my coworkers, help myself. Uh, now, there's a little bit of you know uh, self-interest here, make my job a little bit easier. So what I ended up doing with the, uh, was I started learning about learning teams right here on Safety FM with all the different podcasts, with your podcast, read a, read a whole bunch of books on this whole thing, read a lot of uh, resources. And what happened, no, and I said, you know what, this is what I've been trying to do all along here. This seems like a natural fit for everybody. So I've come up through the environmental cleanup field, uh, primarily. That's where my education is. I enjoy environment, love environmental cleanups. I'm uh, living, uh, I'm from the New Jersey area, which is uh, right across the river from New York. New Jersey has a reputation of having all these hazardous waste sites. Mm -hmm. Well, what happened, what happened was, and that's a story for another day, how that came about. But uh, what happened was they uh, all these sites are being cleaned up in New Jersey and in the New York area. Uh, now we're no, 20, 30 years later, 40 years with some of these sites are being cleaned up. So the safety business changed for me. So uh, I got more into the general industry, more into construction, on uh, doing things. And that's not what I'm about. No, I'm not a constructor. I know about construction. I know about construction, but I'm not a hands-on person. So when we have a uh, accident or an incident, near miss, what have you, a mishap, whatever we're calling them nowadays, we, well, how do I, you know, what, what's this about? All right. I get, you know, and I get things like carpentry. Okay. That's pretty simple. Things that not a very simple trade because you've got to be very skilled. But some of the other trades, like a millwright, a crane operator, uh, uh, iron worker, all these other things, right? It's kind of hard to do safety training or safety consulting or oversight unless you know what exactly that is. So what I try to do very informally, we try to, you, know, you get to know people, you get to observe, you get to learn and everything else. And guess what? Once you learn with people and you get to know what they're like and, you know, maybe shed uh, some sweat, you know, have some sweat equity in what they're doing. They're more willing to open up and we're able to help them out more with whatever, whatever the, their issue is. Right. So if they're having an issue now, you you're more or less a team member with them. And that's what the whole idea is. So learning. So we're learning about their job because I don't know about you and I don't know, but my experience is, is if you show an interest in what they're doing, they're more likely to open up to you. They're more likely to, and you get a little bit of an education. You get a little bit of, uh, 
uh, what's going on, uh, of everything else that's going on. And hopefully you're going to retain some of that information for wherever your career takes you next, whatever that is. And that's basically how I use learning teams. I don't know if that's what the intention was, but that's what I got out of it. Sure. Look, I mean, um, if we look at things purely in a uh, in a learning background, particularly with an adult ed type background, and my colleague Glynis will be very proud of me because I'm going to mention uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Right. The, the fact is that we're by treating the worker as the expert of their own knowledge domain, that, that yes. they know how the work really works by being curious and getting them to share what they do that very much fits into that hierarchy of need. Yes. Because they get to show off a little bit. Yeah, well, look, um, you don't reach a person by them being told. You reach a person by getting them to share their stories, getting them to reflect on what they've heard from others, uh, getting them to, um, you know, we call it, get them to see through, see things through the lens of other people's eyes. Because if you want that learning to embed and then to build into everyday practice, people have to reflect on things. Yes. But the fact is those types of operators, I mean, what, what we really focus on a lot at the moment is that when you've got people who, who work in what's called dynamic risk, where the hazards are the same every day, but the situations that arise are constantly changing and the conditions are changing. The people that do that work really well, that are very, very successful in that work, are people that have honed these critical thinking skills. Absolutely. And, and that skill, if you don't use it, you lose it. And, and what we've seen is a lot of safety, which is you know very rules-based, is asking people not to use those skills. Follow the rules. The rules are there for a reason. Right. Well, we're finding that out current crisis with COVID, where people uh, don't like to follow rules. You give them rules. Uh, now in this country, you give people rules, whether it's in the workplace or dealing with public health. People don't like to be told. Uh, that's our culture here. They uh, no. If you can try to work with the folks, right? This is what my whole thing is. And you no, know, it's part of the old way of doing things for the uh, job safety analysis or job hazard analysis where all my projects that I manage, uh, the client requires a written uh, plan every day, a written meeting every day. If you could help, rather than write the plan for them, you know, the model has always been, here's the plan, follow the plan. Where it's gone to, well, you write the plan, I'll help you write the plan. You know, if the man or woman doesn't have good writing skills. Of course, I'm going to help them out, give them some pointers here and there. Now it makes it their plan, not my plan, Mm -hmm. right? And now they're communicating with their work crew. And guess what? They're communicating with their work crew. It's more or less like a learning team that they've set up. And now everybody's on a learning team. Yeah, and we call them everyday learning teams. Right. And, you know, once again, the, the strength there is that they are talking their language. They are giving their context. Um, we, we, we're actually, we've got a video coming out in a couple of weeks where we demonstrate a learning team in the, in the field. And we've, uh, we've got this uh, uh, magnetic uh, uh, whiteboard that goes on the, um, the hood of a truck. 
and and that magnet whiteboard has got four things on it. It's mm-hmm. asking, and we, we, we call the model, um, uh, basically, we, we ask them to think about, you know, what, what are some of the site and environmental things that they're going to be looking at today? Uh, what are some of the tasks and activities they're thinking about? What are some of the things around um, a mobile plant and machinery? And the last one is thinking about um, people and protection. And we call it STEP, just S-T-E-P. Right. And all it's designed to do as a framework is to stimulate the conversation. It doesn't drive the content because the content right. comes from people. Right. But once the workers have uh, finished having their rich conversation, someone just basically picks their phone up, scans the QR code on the whiteboard, and it takes all that content and it stores it up into the cloud wow. for the company. And, and what it does is that when it stores it, it's actually stripping out keywords. So what it's looking for, it's looking for that variation that people are encountering because that's business intelligence. Forget about people reporting stuff. This is about gathering business intelligence. And the other exciting thing, Jim, is that it also looks at their language and it gives a sentiment score. So it tells us whether the language being used is a positive language or negative language. So if people are wow. saying, people are saying, you know, the elevated work platform, the delivery's late again. Okay. Or they're, you know, um, the site supervisor keeps, you know, yelling at us. It's going to pick up that sentiment. Well, that's a very uh, good thing. Uh, Absolutely. You know, to collect more data on this. Um, you know, uh, because I tell you what, once people get used to technology, they're a little bit more uh, free to speak around it and to act normally, right, with that. Because workers, um, you know, in in the industry you're in, workers are problem solvers. They, They spend all their life solving problems. When you plan work in the morning or when you start your shift, how, how that work is planned and how that work actually ends up happening is always going to be different. And people have been successful because they've been able to adapt and work around all those different variability and changes that have occurred because it's dynamic. The environment's dynamic. Right. So that makes people problem solvers. So when we ask people to report stuff, you're basically saying, hey, we want you now to hand it off to someone else to problem solve because you can't. Well, and that's an insult to them. And correct. like I said, what do I know? Unless I'm a tradesperson, I really don't know uh, that. Uh, so for example, for 11 years, I worked at, with an industrial painting contractor almost every day. Uh, now I have uh, four or five people working for me and we hand off work as necessary and everything else. But on this one project, I had been there for years. So now I move on over to another project where there's industrial painting. And at a certain point, now all of a sudden, you know about that. You know about that. You know 100% what their job is. And in some cases, how to do it, because I basically have a paint inspector background also with this. Now you approach that a little bit differently. Now you're helping them solve their problems and maybe giving them some information. Hey, on other projects, this is the way we've done this. 
And now you have a different level of respect with the folks where now you're really an integrated team with them because they, you know their job on that. And it makes my life a lot easier in a lot of ways. Sometimes not so much easier because you know the way things are supposed to be done and you are able to identify the shortcuts and everything else that pretty much should not be done. So, and no, uh, in my opinion, just my opinion here, uh, now painting is a very uh, uh, technical field with the coatings and the equipment and everything yep. else. More than what a uh, normal, per no, normal person thinks you take a paintbrush, you paint a wall. That ain't the way it is when you get to that level. And uh, there's a lot of liability with painting. So uh, I like to make sure things get done correctly. I, so, I, I, I can imagine those guys have got great uh, visual skills. They're able to look at something. They're able to do some, um, some measurements in their head. They're able to, you know, evaluate volumes. Right. There's all the stuff, but those all are the skills. Those are, but those skills they didn't learn in trade school. No those skills they learned on the job. Right. And they learn it through the the rich context of 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 speaking in the narrative, if that makes sense. Because yes. what we talk about, what we see with a learning team, where, where we think learning teams are so powerful, is that people don't know what they don't know. And a learning right. team takes them from not knowing what they don't know to now knowing what they don't know. Right. I think the biggest challenge we have, one of them, is with the younger safety uh, professionals. I don't, I don't call them safety people, safety guys, safety gals, safety professionals. Yeah. I'm making that a point because uh, you know that's what we are. And you get out of college in this country, at least, you get out of college, and they teach you because you've just paid a quarter million dollars for an education that you don't need to know anything else. So they go into the field and all of a sudden, well, guess what? I know everything. And now this is where you get the command and control type safety, yeah, yeah. right? And what we try to do is with the younger safety people, the less experienced, whatever you want, whatever, however we're going to describe them, uh, we try to get this idea of teams right now. I tell, I tell them, for the first six months, unless it's an IDLH, immediately dangerous, the life and health situation, don't say anything. Ask questions, right? Always ask a question and tag on to someone like me. Follow someone like me, someone or someone more experienced. It may not be me, but somebody more experienced and learn the job. Learn what you're going to do. When I see... Uh, I had one colleague who uh, went from the construction field into the general industry field. He was a credentialed uh, person uh, from uh, the VCSV. He had a credential uh, along with them. And I said, look, what you need to do is just sit down and do nothing and just take notes for the first six months. And this was, uh, that's what he did. Didn't really say anything. And it was an invaluable thing where I said, you have to do this, learn what the job is. Right, learn what the hazards are. Do research on your own. Do all this stuff either with a team or on your person. Become a team member on here because that's one of the big barriers we have is when we go out there as a know-it-all, or as uh, our friend uh, Jay Allen says, a safety dictator. Sure, you can't sure. do that. 
right? You have to go out there, work with people, develop oh, partnerships. It was one of those big epaulets on my high vis. You know, the, you know the, how dictators always have those lovely uniforms. They have the right. epaulets on, you know, on the shoulders, and they have the nice bit of the tassels and the rope. Can we get those uh, high vis? <laughs> because yeah, don't forget the whistle. You gotta have the whistle. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's yeah. all, all part of that fun. And right. look, Jim, I, I think what we're seeing here is that um, uh, people people being trained in safety are still being trained in technical safety. They're not being trained in the soft skills or the humanity element of it. Yes. So, so they come out. They come out in in what we call expert mode, an expert model which is right. what we've been trained to do, rather than coming out of it in what we call a facilitative mode, which is about being curious and, and listening and sort of yes. you know, getting a better understanding and then link that to your technical mode, which is trying to, I suppose, provide some assurance around it. We're, we talk about leaders, right? Especially you have that old dreaded annual review that we have to go into. And what's one of the things that we that a safety person hears? Well, you're not being a leader. Well, what does that mean, right? You're talking safety. We're talking what you're talking about. We're talking what I'm. What's what's leadership mean? I don't know. Is there a definition for it? Now, my definition for it is influence. How can you influence someone? One word, real simple, right? Occam's razor, one word. Keep it simple, right? So I could in so when we define leadership as influence, what does that mean? It could be anybody could be the leader. It could be the most educated person on your team or the least educated person. It could be the experienced person or the least experienced person. It could be an older family member if you're dealing with a family member dynamic type thing. It could be the youngest one. All these things it could be op polar opposites of what a leader is. But let's wrap up now. I'm super excited about Safety Wars, and, and I'm super excited. And, and, and I see your format. You're trying to do little short, sharp kickers. Is that is that the story? What's what's your format? yeah yeah? Hey, I know how, I know how I sound. I know my speech patterns. I know everything else. Right? I speak a little bit slow. Years of uh, speech therapy. I could not listen to myself for more than five minutes or ten minutes. <laughs> Hopefully your listeners are going to be a lot more forgiving than that. All right. And uh, what I said is I can do five, one to five minutes. A lot of the podcasts out there, they're very good. Your podcast and all the other ones are excellent, uh, you know, especially on our network here. Uh, but they're very corporate, extremely corporate. Nothing wrong with that. That's who you are. As long as you're being genuine, be corporate. All right. Uh, so why did I leave corporate America in 2004? A lot of reasons, but one of them was, um, you're trying to put people like me into this little mold. If you're going to, what kind of phrases are we talking about? We're talking about phrases like, Hey, uh, if you're going to be here for a long time, you know, you know, if you're going to be here for a long time, or you're going to make your way up the ladder, you got to do this, this, and this. And it wasn't me. Absolutely wasn't me. So what I did was I went out and started off in uh, my first company right after that. And I and then I the current incarnation, uh, JCP Technical Services, and now getting into Safety Wars. 
I said, you know what? I'm going to be the type of person I'm going to be. I'm going to learn my craft, be the type of person I want to be, be genuine and everything else. And I found out that I'm much more successful. I'm much more happier. Uh, I have better personal relationships. Uh, everything else that goes along with it because I got out of that corporate mold. So I'm listening to Todd Conklin one day and I'm, ta- I'm listening to Jay Allen and all these other folks, you. And I said, you know what? This is great. Long, for- long format interviews and everything. I'm a, I'm a fan of long format interviews. Believe me, I've been listening to them since I'm seven or eight years old uh, on talk radio uh, in the New York City area. I said, well, how about one to five minutes of really impactful things that people are going to be able to listen multiple times if they want. They'll be able to, if I do a good enough job in being impactful, we do that. The other thing is let's add a little bit of humor, a little bit of comedy, a little bit of, dare I say, anger, right? Enthusiasm, uh, righteous indignation, whatever you want to call it, excitement into this. And Let's make safety fun. Let's make sex. Let's make safety sexy again, right? As we're able to, you got to make people laugh a little. I find humor, and I say what I want to say. What people are always thinking, sure, right? So, for example, a comment was made. Uh, I won't mention by whom. Uh, that they, people think that you're off your rocker, and I said, you know what? That's not the first time I've heard that people think I'm off my rocker. All right. I said, but what don't they ever argue about? They may say you're off your rocker, but what do, don't they ever ro- argue about? Content. Mm-hmm. They never argue about what you say. Maybe I'll argue about your delivery. I speak too fast. I, my voice is too high. I have a speech impediment. Then they make all of the above. Right. But. They're never going to argue with me. The other thing is this. I had an experience. Again, we'll talk about uh, my religious upbringing. All right. I went. uh, I used to live in Hoboken, New Jersey. My church that my family went to was in Rawway, about an hour away. So I'm young. Hoboken, you lived in the New York area. You know, Hoboken is a very up-and-coming hip place, especially in the late 90s. That's right. Right? You know, party. No, it's like spring break there every weekend, right? So I'm scheduled to be the lectern, right? The people reading the Bible passage, right? And and I had a very late night, and we'll leave it at that. So I come moseying on to to church, and it's for the early morning 8 a.m. service. I get up there in front of the no, the church is like, you know, 10 people, 15 people. And I'm in no condition to read that lesson, friend. None. So I go up there and I muddle through the whole thing. I'm mispronouncing words. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And on the way out of the church, I mean, I'm like, man, did I embarrass myself? Do you know what happened? One of the older, one of the people came up to me and then another person came up to me and said, you know what? You just proved that anybody could be a lector. <laughs> you just, and before you know it, everybody else wanted to go up there and read the lesson because I proved that you could go up there and make a fool out of yourself. And now everybody else wanted to do the job, right? Like I said, you got to be careful on what you say to people. You want to be kind, 
You want to, right? And if I could share a little bit more of my own personal uh, uh, story, what started me on this, right? I didn't know whether I wanted to share this, but I feel like I'm going to share it. All right. So like a lot of adolescents, right? 13, 12, 13, 14 year olds, you're like, well, what what am I going to do with my life? Right. And there was a movie, uh, you might have heard of it, Buckaroo Banzai, right? And you remember that movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the name of the lead up there? It escapes my mind at this point. It was the guy who played Robocop, right? Yeah, Uh, yeah, uh, he was also Peter Weller, right? Peter Weller. And he was doing a promo. And promo, and if I ever meet him, I'm going to tell him the story. He's doing a promo for the show, a little interview like we're doing. And they said, well, what's the uh, attraction of Buckaroo Banzai here? Right? And it's an unknown movie. If it weren't for cable TV, nobody would have ever seen it, probably. Right? And uh, he said, well, he's a superhero, but he's really not a superhero. He's a normal person who is a rock star, who's a neurosurgeon who's an advisor to uh, uh, politicians. He's this, he's, and he went down a whole list of things, what he is. And he said, he does not have a superpower. He has knowledge. He has know-how. He has all this stuff. And I'm sure it was a throwaway line by Peter Weller. It was a throwaway line. You're never going to think about it. That line is that, that interview and that what he said has been a guiding principle throughout my entire life. So all from a goofy movie that nobody saw in 1983 or 84. So I'm sitting down with a beer about five years ago. And I know I reflect a little bit on what I was, what I'm going through. And I said, you know what I said? I said, holy crap. I've become Buckaroo Banzai. (laughs) Without even knowing it. So what, what my point is, is to be kind to people, to be kind. You don't know how your words are going to be misconstrued. So make sure they're positive. Make sure you choose your words with everyone. Right. And that's part of what this is with learning teams, isn't it? Right. You got to learn to work with people. You got to learn what they're doing. You got to learn to care about them. You have to have leadership. You can, there's many different facets to safety other than what's in the bookshelf that I have to the right of me here, which is loaded up with about 200 books on safety. All right. It's more than that. You got to have to be in with the people and inspire them. Thank you listeners for being part of this podcast. We'd love to hear your learnings from today or other topics you would like us to support you on, go to www.podcastlearnings.com and be part of the community practice of learning teams at www.learningteamscommunity.com. 
The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.